0: Shutdown stuff is going on, but imagine the amount of players who would not have been able to watch this because of the playoff time,
1: True. Timing and everything. Like,
0: cause the playoffs would have started like. Nah,
1: day. but this was about to come out in June, though, bro. This was planned to yeah, come out in June. Out June. Yeah, yeah. That's right. that's so it was gonna be after the. It was gonna be after the NBA Finals, but okay, with yeah, everything. Point, right? Yeah, but with everything happening, we got time on our hands. They moved it up a couple of months. And like, like Edgar said, the NBA players were watching it. Your homeboys was watching it. It was just a good time on Twitter, nothing but jokes. So uh, yeah, like I said, they talked about his UNC years. He hit the game winner as a freshman. Oh, let's, let's dive into his high school years first. Let's start from the beginning. He started off with his high school years, how he got cut. I remember we, me and Edgar talked last night about this. I wanted you to bring up the, the false narrative that Jordan brought up about his story coming up in high school and getting cut and stuff like that. Jordan fan you've heard
0: the story about how he was cut from his high school team and just didn't make the team he was so upset like he went to his parents he was in tears like he didn't he didn't let go of a basketball for like a week straight almost after being told that so it's like the false narrative was put out on the coaching staff that how could you guys like cut somebody who would eventually become the greatest of all time exactly.
2: you know, and mm-hmm. not you see the coaches uh I'm not sure if it was the head and the assistant coach who said this, but I'm sure one of them said this. I can't remember which one. But they were saying how he wasn't necessarily
0: just cut from the team. He just was cut from varsity and had to be moved to JV. Mm-hmm. And that was because uh, of a physicality standpoint. Yeah. Like, he was so much shorter than the the
1: starting. I want to say he was 5'10", they, they was said. Saying. I want to say he was 5'10". Yeah, he was like 5'10", 5'11". Mm-hmm. And they were just like,
0: it's not that you're not good enough. It's just right now, you don't fit the team that we're trying to create right now and win with. And I feel like that was just a false narrative that I'm glad it's finally cleared up mm-hmm. after all this time. Because if, if this documentary never would have came out, we would have just continued thinking that Jordan got cut his first year on, on the varsity team. Like, no, he just got dropped to JV because it wasn't his time yet. But when it was his time, He showed out and he did what he was supposed to do. So I'm glad that got cleared
1: up. Yeah, because you got to think, bro. That was a story that you were told growing up. Like, if you got cut or if you didn't make something, like, that was something your parents told you. Like, oh, MJ didn't make this. You know what I'm saying? His uh, got cut his sophomore year. But he ended up being the greatest of all time. That was something you were told growing up. And you know what I'm saying? You thought he got cut completely from the team. He wasn't playing basketball. But he just got dropped to JV. And I played JV 10th grade. I wasn't, you know what I'm saying, feeling bad about it. But, you know, that's like a normal course for the regular player or for the regular student or whatever. Like, JV in 10th grade isn't bad. It's just like Edgar said, it was a physicality thing, 5'10". I want to say he grew to 6'3 that summer uh, went going into his junior year. And that's when he started to flourish and started to get looks. And in his senior year, he completely took off and started getting, uh, getting looks from UNC to Dukes, all to North Carolina. Because he grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina, so obviously everybody was looking at him. He was getting all the looks from uh, the UNCs and stuff like that, and he ended up committing, man. So, yeah. So how did you feel about him at UNC?
0: I feel like it was a great match. You know, just being hometown, uh, it it made me think of Space Jam. You know, the first part of Space Jam when he's outside shooting and he's telling his dad, I'm going to play for North Carolina. And now I'm gonna go to the NBA. Like it, it just it's crazy how it literally it it just made me think of that. Like from a kid, I'm sure he was really that way. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna uh start varsity in high school, then I'm gonna go hometown, go to North Carolina, and then I'm going to the NBA. So to see him actually go to his dream school and just be the phenom that he was, like that was just crazy. Hearing Roy Roy Williams talk about him.
1: Yeah, that was dope.
0: I, he, he had a switch that he could just never turn off. He could turn it off whenever he wanted to, but he never turned it off.
1: Mm-hmm. He said the only player in basketball history that had a switch. I don't know about that, but I'll I take Roe Williams at his word, though. I think a couple of players got a switch, but MJ definitely oh, man, had one, bro. For
0: college, when you think of the pros, there's a lot of people you can say has a switch. Yeah. College, you can't think of too many people who just had a switch like that. Yeah,
1: I can't think of it. Like, yeah, none are coming to my head.
0: At least not not any more than, like, three or
1: four people anyway. I mean, KD, KD, his freshman year was so dominant, bro. I would say he had a switch because I, I want to say KD damn near averaged 30 his freshman year. Like, he was so much better than everybody else. So I would say he had a switch. But that's the only person like that in my time that I can think about, like, yeah. really had a switch. You know what I'm saying? I can't think about the early 90s and stuff like that. I don't know about that. But definitely for my time KD. Um, but like I said, in his freshman season championship game against Georgetown, against the big uh, – uh, what, what was the coach of Georgetown? Damn, what was his name? John Thompson. He was the big coach. Him, Patrick Ewing. It was all bigged up. They were supposed to win the championship. North Carolina came in the underdogs, and MJ ended up hitting the game winner, which really elevated his status for UNC because they were talking about it on the dock. He really wasn't the top dog on that team. It was really James Worthy. And it's crazy how that that game winner really elevated his status for like the whole UNC culture. Like everybody was rocking with him after that. So how did you feel about that transition for him at UNC? And it's crazy because they showed the highlights from that Georgetown
0: championship game. And first, first off, it was in the Superdome. Like yeah. 60,000 plus people. That shocked me. I did not know that that game was in the Superdome. So mm-hmm. that was crazy. But to see the fact that he was so dominant in that game, and they still were not looking for him to take the final shot. Like, the, the entire swing play that they created at the end for Jordan to get the last touch on uh, Super game winner, the fact that he was not worried about at all by Georgetown, yeah, that shocked me. I'm like, damn, like, this man is literally, like, he, he probably wasn't the highest scorer that night, but he was one of the highest scorers, and he had the most efficient play that night. Mm-hmm. y'all weren't even looking for him to touch the ball last. Like, that killed me. I was like, wow. That just goes to show you how deep that team was offensively. Yeah. Because I remember
1: they had Sam Perkins, uh, James Worthy, and it was a couple other players that they mentioned that they had. So they were definitely loaded, man. So, yeah. And like I said, that elevated his status. Uh, he ended up playing two more seasons for UNC, dominating, obviously, doing what MJ does. He said he was going to come back for his fourth season, but Dean Smith told him that you got to go pro, bro. And it's crazy. Just when he said that in the doc, it's crazy how certain coaches like that. Like they really look out for you as a player and as a professional at the same time. Like John Calipari is another person that comes to mind. Like they think of you first as a player and your family before they think of themselves. Because he easily could have said, hey, Mike, hey, come back for your fourth year. And it would have been best for him because obviously it would have gave him his best chance to win a championship. But the fact that he told him, "No, nah, go pro, man." You know what I'm saying? You could have been a, you could be a top three pick. Like people like John Calipari, the ones that don't make you stick around, the people that started the one and done culture. Like that's the first thing I thought of when I thought of, when I seen that whole scenario go down with him and Dean Smith. Like it was, it was definitely great to see, bro. Yeah, so,
0: I seen. Uh... J.J. Watt tweeting that today. He he literally tweeted exactly how you feel and what you just said. Mm -hmm. Uh, J.J. Watt tweeted, uh, I think it was last night or today, he said, Dean Smith telling Michael Jordan to go pro because that's what's best for him instead of telling him to stay which would have been best for Dean Smith. That's a coach you want to play for.
1: Exactly, bro. So I can see why. And I'm not somebody who knows a lot about Dean Smith. Like I said, I wasn't growing up in that era, but that just told me a lot about his whole personality and how he felt how he was as a coach. So I gained a lot of respect for Dean Smith. Even with the championship, I gained even more respect for Dean Smith just hearing that story as well. So obviously he leads to go to the NBA. He gets picked by Chicago at the number three pick in 85. It was a lot of Blazers fans on the TL sitting, my boy. Still getting over how they didn't pick him at number two. If you don't know the draft order, I want to say Houston had the number one pick. Uh, the Blazers had number two, and the Bulls had number three. Everybody knew Akeem was going to be number one out of Houston. And number two was really a toss-up, but the Blazers had Clyde Drexler, so they thought it would have been real redundant if they brought back MJ and Clyde Drexler. So they ended up drafting Sam Bowie. Uh, I think he was out of Kentucky, the center out of Kentucky. He was solid, but obviously he doesn't compare to MJ. And then MJ went third to the Bulls. So did you feel the Blazers' pain once again last night with that story being told? I mean, yeah, a little bit, but I mean, uh, I feel the pain, but I understand their pick at the same exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like, it's like, it's not like, a,
0: oh my gosh, you just completely picked the wrong person. It wasn't
1: that at all. I really don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel that, bro. Because like I said, they had Clyde Drexler, would have been redundant if they picked MJ. But just looking back at it, it's like, exactly. man. It's like, now that you've seen what both have become and what both have done, Then
0: you look at it like, damn, how could y'all pass up on Mike? But Clyde, it's not like Clyde Drexler was no scrub.
1: Bro, he was an all-star at that time. Like, he was getting loose, yeah. Apart from a scrub, he was definitely a top three or top four pick. If you had the number two pick and you had to pick between
0: Mike and Clyde and you didn't see the future for either of them yet, you can't be mad at either one you pick. But Mm -hmm. later down the line, you can be mad because it's like, damn, we we obviously picked the wrong one.
1: Yeah. I want to say Clyde and Terry Porter them got the Blazers to a championship in eighty eight or eighty nine, and they lost to uh, who they lost to?
0: They
1: didn't lose to the Bulls. They might have lost to the uh, the Pistons, but Clyde Drexler definitely got them to a uh uh the finals appearance. So shout out to Clyde Drexler. Uh, but it, it was just brought back memories of Greg Oden when I thought about the Blazers, and obviously we know in that pick I want to say that was two thousand and seven. KD got picked. Odin was the consistent number one pick, and Durant was number two going to the Supersonics at the time. And you just look back at that and you see how awful that went for the Blazers. So it's like, damn, that's like a double whammy. And these picks set your franchise back like years. So it just, for this to happen to the Blazers twice in like a, what is it, like a 20 year period, is crazy, bro. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But uh, like I said, and the rumor was, this is a big rumor. I want to dive into this real quick. I kept seeing it on the TL. They said the rumor was in 85 during the draft that the Houston Rockets was going to trade Ralph Sampson for Clyde Drexler and the number two pick. And they could have picked MJ. And they would have had the number one pick in Hakeem Olajuwon. So Houston could have had MJ, Clyde Drexler, and Hakeem Olajuwon. If they wanted it, but they I, I don't forgot what they said happened uh, for it not to go down, but they said that could have possibly been a trade. And you got to think at that time, Ralph Sampson was that dude. He was like a top player in the NBA before all his injuries. If you don't know who Ralph Sampson is, definitely look him up out of Virginia. Uh, but he was a definitely a, a, the twin towers in Houston at the time, but he was definitely an all-star type of talent. And to get that haul for him, Would have been crazy. MJ Hakeem and Drexler. And I want to dive into the conversation we were just having, Eggrid, about how that would have changed MJ as a player. I want you to dive into that real quick. I feel like although it would have been so amazing to watch, it would have turned into
0: everybody knows like the the whole debate on Kobe and Shaq, like who got who the rings and everything like that. And I know with Kobe passing. And even right before Kobe passed, i say around the time when Kobe retired and you started seeing the videos of him and Shaq, like sitting down, talking, and they complimented how they both needed each other to win.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: all the years prior to that, it was always who got who the rings. I feel like that's what it would have turned into. I feel like Clyde Drexler probably wouldn't even have been in the discussion. It probably would have been who got the rings, Hakeem or Jordan. Yeah. You you would have had some people that would have been like, Well, Jordan would have did this without Hakeem and then people would've been like, Well, Hakeem was gonna be Hakeem needed to be fed by Jordan, so he couldn't eat without Jordan, it would've turned into that. And then I feel like with the salary cap that the NBA has, like the the ratings that the NBA would have gotten from that team, I don't feel like the revenue that The Rockets would have got, would have helped their salary cap at all keep all three of those players. So I feel like it would have been short term. It wouldn't have really been anything long like that unless they just really didn't care about money. So I think
1: they still, even I feel like Drexler would have been somebody who would have been ousted if that, if this trade would have happened, I feel like Drexler would be the odd man out and they would just rock with the MJ and Hakeem duo. But still, I think that, that duo alone. Because even with Kobe and Shaq going through their whole thing, they still got championships in the meantime. So we, as the media, can argue who got the rings, who was the best player on the team, but it's like you're still winning. And this team alone would have got... If that championship Bulls team got six, this team could have easily got eight with both of those players in their prime, bro. Eight to ten titles, and I'm not even exaggerating. Like, that team is nuts, bro. And I feel like a Akeem would have been the top dog on the team. So, like you said, MJ would have had to take a step back at least. He wouldn't...
0: Yeah, he... Even even the Bulls owner, he said in the doc, he was, I think it was episode one or the beginning of episode two, and he was like, any team in that draft, the number one pick, you were picking Akeem Olajuwon. Oh, yeah. That, that was the number one pick automatically. I don't care who had the most
1: potential or anything, off straight talent and, like... Physical evidence, you pick Hakeem Olajuwon. Exactly, bro. And Jordan would have had to take a step back, so we wouldn't have the Jordan that we have today. I don't think we get the GOATs conversation and stuff like that. He would have the rings, but it would go back to what Edgar was saying: who got the rings, who was the best player on the team, stuff like that. And he wouldn't be as aggressive because he would have to at least consider throwing the ball down to Hakeem because you know Hakeem was a bucket down low in the post. So, yeah. and it couldn't be because in Jordan's first couple of years. It was really just Jordan, so he got to do basically whatever he wanted, and that helped him develop as a player. If you got somebody like a Kim on your team, you're not take, you're you not take, you not shooting the ball. You exactly, 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 exactly bro. During like that era of like how
2: important the big man was in that era, of mm-hmm. like the owners, the owner, the GM,
0: the coach, they all gonna tell you, look, we don't care how talented you are. This is the system of the NBA you have to feed the post players, like, you have to. Yeah. But nowadays, we we run strictly off two guards and, and wing players, like,
1: so. Yeah, bro. But that team, I just wanted to bring that. Like I said, that was just a rumor. It wasn't even in the doc. It was just something I kept seeing fly around on the TL that I felt like I had to bring up, man. That, that team just would have been crazy. So let's dive into Jordan rookie year. Um, In the documentary, Jordan said that the Bulls team was basically a traveling cocaine circus. Uh, what was the story, bro? How he went to the room, uh, he knocked on the door. (laughs) What was the story, bro? (laughs) So I'm not
0: for
2: the man. Jordan
0: was just lying through his teeth, but the man really tried to make it sound like he just did nothing and he was like the rookie saint that just didn't do anything or involve himself or anything. I'm like, I get it, okay, you wanna save face and everything, but he uh, he basically said, I think he walked into the locker room.
1: Nah, bro, they yeah. was in a hotel. I mean, they was in a oh, hotel. Hotel room. Hotel room. Yeah.
0: To the hotel room. Yeah. All the vet players who were there, welcomed him in. They were like, cocaine's over here, uh, the females over here, the weed is over here, the alcohol is over here. Jordan said he turned around so fast, he was like, Nah, I just I can't surround. <laughs> I was like, What? First off, you're like at least 21, twenty one, twenty
1: two. Yeah. Right. You done at least puffed or something, bro. Don't act like you ain't never puffed or nothing. And I know he was at least. He, me- he at least was honest. He at least
0: said, I wasn't drinking yet. Yeah. But everything else, he just made me say like he
1: just did not do it at all. I'm like, yeah, bro. Okay, even if you didn't do it, don't make it sound like you just was never around it. Like, exactly, bro. I feel like he did do it. Cause you gotta think, bro, that was in, like that was the Lynn Bias era, I wanna say too, bro. And Lynn Bias was doing the same thing. If Lynn Bias was doing coke. Jordan was doing coke, too, bro. I don't want to hear none of that, bro. That's what I'm saying, bro. If Lin Bias, everybody says Lin Bias would have been one of the best players ever. If Lin Bias was doing coke, trust. Jordan was doing coke as well, bro. But, hey, if he said he ain't did it, I'm going to take him at his word. So, let's move on. But his stats was crazy, though, bro. Something I did not know is that he averaged 28-6-6 six and six and two steals in his rookie year. Like I said, the team wasn't really crazy, so he got to do whatever he wanted. But still, those stats as a rookie, he said it was an easy transition for him, leaving UNC and going to the Bulls, but those stats were crazy. I want to say the only other person that had those type of stats of 25, 5, and 5 was Oscar Robinson. That was it, as a rookie at least, as a rookie. And it that is day. crazy because Jordan changed the
0: culture when he started winning championships. He changed the culture his rookie year for that Bulls team. Yeah. Like, that Bulls team was terrible before he got there. They were talking about how the indoor Chicago soccer team had way more fans than the Chicago Bulls. And mm. then you see this young kid from UNC with the um, the double rope neck chains and the fade. Yeah. Man, and just steal the show and just
1: turn Chicago into a forever now loving bat- basketball, loving city. Mm-hmm. So, so just to see him change the complete culture of that team that's just crazy yeah bro his his, his rookie year was definitely <laughs> his rookie year was definitely one of the greatest we ever seen man so yeah but let's dive into jerry Krauss real quick bro because like i said in episode one they really made him the villain of the whole documentary they really they tried to show you how he got the job and it was crazy how he got the job you remember how he got it bro he basically just asked the owner, "Can I be the GM?" And the owner said, "Yeah." yeah. I'm like, "Wow, that's all you had to do back in the day—just ask the dude, hey, and uh, you was set." Not what
0: you know, but who
1: you know. Hey, bro, I guess so, bro. It don't matter what your credentials is, as long as you know him. I guess he got the job, man. But they basically made him the evil villain, and I kind of want to step into the second part a little bit and talk about that second year when Jordan got injured, bro, and he was out for most of the season. And Jerry Krause basically wanted to tank the whole season. Basically, they went thirty and fifty-two, barely made the playoffs, and that really. Re- <laughs> just point that out. Bro. Yeah. Thirty and fifty-two got you the eighth seed in the eighties. Yeah. Like thirty and fifty-two, Do you know. That's a, that's worse. Up? That's worse than this days, bro. That's worse than the East today. That's literally worse than Dude. the East today. Oh my god. That is crazy, bro. God, is that- Yeah, but that's something I was definitely noticing too uh, last night. Thirty and fifty-two, they got the AC. Crazy, but like I said, Jordan missed like sixty-eight games. So obviously they would have won more games if he was healthy the whole season. I want to say he had a foot injury, a broken foot. His second year, broken foot.
0: It was right across the top of his um, uh, right across the top of his foot.
1: But you know what made me mad, bro? And it had me thinking about Braun. I don't know if it made me mad, but it just made me think, bro. This dude, Braun, never got injured, bro, until what? Uh, last year, a couple years ago, year 16? Bro, him getting, or Jordan getting injured in his second year, I feel like it humanized him a little bit. Because like, damn, he get, even though he is one of the greatest players we've ever seen, at least he gets injured. We've never seen Bron get injured, bro, once. A little groin injury is all he's ever gotten in his whole career. That's obviously a testament to Braun. That's and that's what I'm saying, bro. That's a, that's obviously a testament to LeBron. But it's like, man, it felt like every other player has had some sort of at least real injury. I don't want to say the groin injury wasn't real, but like some prolonging injury. And it felt like LeBron just been healthy his whole career, man. Like I said, it's a testament to him. But that's the first thing I thought of, man. Like, damn, at least MJ got hurt. I'm like, man, LeBron is a crack baby. I don't care what nobody says. I swear, bro, that's the that's the only reason I can think of, bro, that he never gets hurt. That's the only reason, man. So it's not the fact that he just makes sure he's in the physical. Nope. The cook nope. That's impossible. Nope. Because even, bro, because you got to think other people in the league also do the same things. They probably don't do it to the extent, but they probably bruh, the fittest. They don't do it
0: to the extent. Man. LeBron James is the most physically endurable athlete the NBA has ever seen. Yeah. This man can endure any season, any any type of obstacle when it comes to physicality. Like he just he knows how to keep his body healthy. He knows how to keep himself in shape to the finest degree possible. Like it, you said it right there. It's just other people just don't do it to the extent that he does. That's why it never happens to him until recently. Yeah. You know, the only reason it really happened is because he he getting old now. As far as NBA He's mm-hmm. he yeah, getting old now. So yeah. it's, it's
1: easier for him to get injured now. So. Yeah. Like I said, bro, all that with a dash of crack, no injuries. That's all That's, a, that's all I'm saying, bro. That's all I'm saying. Bro. That's all I'm saying. But let's dive back into it with the MJ and Krause. I want to just dive into their relationship real quick. Because throughout that season, their relationship really became or began to get strained. Because obviously MJ wanted to come back. And when he came back to the lineup, it was like the end of the season, and he was, like, on a 14-minute restriction. And they really didn't want him to go over at all. Like, not even a second over that 14-minute restriction. And uh, you want to recall that one game, bro? And they, uh, it was, like, a tie game at the end. And then his 14-minute came up.
0: You remember that? I forgot who they were playing. I don't
1: know if it was Was it the Pacers?
0: Or I thought it was Cleveland. It was must have been Cleveland or Indiana. I know yeah. it was an Eastern Conference team. So it was, it was a conference on um, game but it was about 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. They were down by two, and they had to take
2: Jordan out of the game, and Phil Phil Jackson had to tell Jordan,
0: look, I – no,
1: it wasn't It Phil. wasn't Phil. It was another coach. I forgot what his name, but it wasn't Phil. Oh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, who was there before Phil?
1: They said, I think his name was Paul. What's um, his name was Paul? Damn, let me look it up. He was telling Jordan, he was like, I, I got to take you out of the game. If I put you in for one more second, I will get fired. I will lose my job. And Jordan, like, come on, man. It's 30 seconds left in the game. I brought us all
0: the way back, and we're only down by two. And I'm literally on the hot street. Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to take me out? And um, what's his name? Uh... Krause, Krause was literally sitting watching the game with a stopwatch. Exactly. Like, I've never seen anybody on minute restriction to where people are sitting there with stopwatch making sure you don't go over your time.
1: Yeah, but that jump was definitely nuts. And they said that really uh, hurt their relationship. And the the, the, the the head coach of the team at the time was Stan Albeck. That was the name of the, t- uh, the head coach of the team at that time, Stan Albeck. And, yeah, he wanted to play Jordan. It was, like Edgar said, it was 30 seconds left. And but they ended up winning the game. I want to say Paxson hit a game winner or something yeah, like that. Ended up winning one. the game. But that but that game really soured their relationship. And that's something that it looks like they're going to build on throughout this whole documentary. So I definitely wanted to talk about that. Uh, I, I think Kraus wanted to get a lottery pick because I want to say it was only 20-something teams at the time. So if they did not make the playoffs, they would have had like a top seven pick. So that's what Kraus wanted. Krauss wanted a top seven pick. But with them making the playoff, they would have probably got a still a top 10 pick, but still not top 7 like Krauss would have wanted. And that really just strained his relationship. I love seeing the winning mentality from Jordan at such a young age because the way he thought, I, we, we're winning at any cost. There's no tanking. Yeah. There is no tanking for next season to get a top pick. Like like Quincy said, it was like if y'all make the
0: playoffs, y'all lose y'all opportunity to get on one of the top picks in the NBA draft for next season, Jordan said, "I don't care about that. If these fourteen, y'all giving me fourteen minutes. I'm gonna be a straight wild dog in these fourteen minutes. Y'all yep. gonna think I'm going crazy the way I don't pass this ball." Mhm.
1: So. Yeah, bro. So that really soured their relationship. Um, but let's dive into that Celtics series because that was something else they played on in part two. Uh, Jordan had forty nine and sixty three points in his first two playoff games against the loaded Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics had Larry Bird. This is when the Celtics were winning championships against Magic and them. They had Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Bill Walton. They had Dennis Johnson. They had uh, Danny Ainge. Four or all five? Four Hall of Famers. Yeah, bro. They, they were loaded. The loaded Celtics at the time. This was like their best team. I want to say they won the championship this year, too. And Jordan had scored 49 in his first playoff game and 63. That is nuts, bro. That is nuts. Took him to double overtime, I think. Took him to double overtime. They still ended up losing that series. They got swept, actually. They actually got swept in that series. But the fact that he put up those type of numbers in his playoff debut just told you what type of legend he was going to be, bro. And that is. Larry Bird said that wasn't Michael Jordan, that was God. Guys the Mar- Basically, <laughs> bro, because they threw everybody at him. They threw Bird on him. They threw Rick Carlisle, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson. I want to say he was a Player of the Year at one point. He couldn't stop MJ. Nobody could stop MJ in that series, and he definitely took off. He got his, but the team obviously didn't do anything. Celtics were loaded. It was nothing he can do. But let's talk about what really was the big point in the second part of this documentary, bro. Scotty Damn Pippen dog. He he was the key of part two. So they were talking basically how he got drafted and how he started up uh, in his basketball journey. He's basically from a small town in Arkansas, how he came up, stuff like that, yada, yada, yada. And he went to University of Central Arkansas. And it's crazy his story because I never knew it until yesterday that he was a, a team manager and ended up getting on the team because a couple of players, what, I think they fell off because of grades and stuff like that. So he ended up getting a scholarship, and he flourished from there. So how did you how did you feel about his transition from team manager to flourishing to what he became?
0: Uh, I like that story because it's just, I don't know, it, it really speaks a testament on how underrated and undervalued Scotty Pippen was in a lot of situations because his humble beginnings, like coming from a, a middle-of-nowhere place in Arkansas going mm-hmm. to NAIA school to – Becoming possibly one of the, obviously one of the greatest Chicago Bulls ever, but arguably one of the best guards to ever, not guards, one of the best forwards to ever play the game. Yeah, like just seeing his come up story I never knew Pippen's come up story. Me neither. So just seeing his humble beginnings and seeing how uh, they weren't poor, but they definitely were just under middle class. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it was it was as good. hearing about how. Uh, his dad had a stroke and all that stuff and he had different family members with health problems that he had to take care of and stuff like that Yeah, it was, it was crazy to see how far he came too.
1: yeah definitely bro so like I said he basically it was the University of Central Arkansas he flourished throughout his whole four years he ended up becoming a top five pick he got drafted by the Supersonics traded to the Bulls and basically the history you know what I'm saying writes itself Obviously ends up winning so many championships. But in his first couple of years, he used to get bullied, bro. Real deal rookie hazen was going on back in the day, and we seen it firsthand, bro. I like I feel like we all knew Rookie Hazen was a thing, bro. But seeing it firsthand, get Scotty getting just slapped like a little hole, it just it was crazy to see. They, they literally didn't mean to put that. They room. they did it. That's the funniest part. <laughs> And that's the funniest thing about the whole thing because it was just a random clip that they just felt to throw in there, bro. Oh my god! Oh my god! So Scotty was getting bullied by uh, what was it? It was Charles er- Oakley at the time. It was Charles Oakley. Yeah, Charles Oakley was bullying. Remember Charles Oakley? Bro, like he is just slapping around oh man! So that joke was a what a hilarious moment in the doc. But something that really got serious and it was a a really tender time for Scotty was the contract situation, bro. Uh, After his second year, I want to say, he had uh, contract negotiations. um, And he signed a seven-year, $18 million contract. A lot of people were trying to tell him not to take it. They seen the potential he had. But he felt like he had to take it because of all the people depending on him. Like, uh, I think the owner said he didn't want him to take it. Uh, MJ said he didn't want him to take the contract, but he still accepted the deal because everybody who was dependent on him. So, Edgar, how did you feel about that whole contract situation and what it ended up becoming, especially toward the end in 97? Well, first off, I feel like it was disrespectful that they even offered that contract to him. And I feel like they really just
0: they were just so focused on MJ that they truly undervalued Scotty Pippen. Like, uh, if you look at his stat lines leading up to that contract year, second in points, second in rebounds, second in scoring, first in steals, first in assists, second in minutes played. like the man led, almost led the category of every possible category for the Bulls team leading up to that contract. So, it's like, how do you how do you offer somebody such a terrible deal so i was i feel like he was just
1: But you but you can't say that though bro you can't say that because as the Man. as the general manager you're supposed to lowball them you're not supposed to accept the first offer we all
0: know Man, that that wasn't a
1: lowball bro that, that was, was a lowball like you
0: tried like, That's awesome. that awesome. Granted, it's still, it's still Scotty fault for still signing it. Exactly. Told by the owner and Jordan not to sign it. Mm. He signed it anyway. Yeah. Still, just being offered that, I would feel so disrespected. So
1: a lot of people were clowning Scotty for this contract, and I was too. I'm not gonna lie, I uh, was clowning him for this contract because it, obviously he was underpaid for what he was doing and all the championships he was bringing to the table. But when you compare his contract situation to what MJ signed in his first couple of years, the contracts look mighty similar, bro. Because MJ was only making a mil more than Scotty during those championship seasons. MJ didn't get paid until... It last two years. The last two years with the Bulls. He got $30 million and $33 million. Before then, he was making for around $4 million. And less than that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of people was clowning him. But we didn't have the perspective of what was MJ making... Uh, at that same time as well, because MJ basically signed the same type of deal, and we don't yeah, think I about. Like, it. Oh, go ahead.
0: I feel, like the hype, I feel like the hype of Scotties was just way more because when Jordan signed his deal, he was I think he was only like three years in, maybe four years in. Four years the, in, so yeah. He was still fairly young, and he was still there early into the career. It was like right, I think it was right before their champ, their first championship year that he did that contract. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the hype of that wasn't as big because it wasn't really, how do I say it, Um, it wasn't really seen yet for how great he was going to be for us to be like, oh my gosh, how could you just accept this low amount of money? Yeah. So I I feel like that's why the hype of it just wasn't as big.
1: Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were basically, like I basically just said, man, the fact of, Scotty growing up in a low-income neighborhood with a family that wasn't making that much. When you see when you get a contract of two and a half million, basically per year, you're basically going to jump at that offer, especially from what you're coming from. You're not used to anything. You're not used to any money. So I feel like it's more on the agent more than anybody else. I feel like it's the agent's fault. Like you should know your con- Scotty should know his value as well, but the agent should also know his value in the in the contract and how the market usually goes. You should know how everything flows. And I feel like it's the agent's fault for Scotty signing the contract, bro. He probably listened to him and went along with it. And I feel like he's the most to blame for this whole contract situation, man. Seven year, 18 million for all them championships? Man, you crazy, man. It
0: is the difference between lowballing and just trying. Like that. So I understand, like, like you said, like when you're a GM and an owner, you gotta low ball first to see where their head is mm-hmm. and what they feel they should get. But it's a difference, bro, between low balling and just completely trying somebody.
1: Yeah, bro. So like Edgar said, uh Scottie Pippen was second in points, second in rebounds on the team. This is during the championship years. Second in scoring, first in steals, first in assists, second in minutes played, and his compensation was sixth on the Bulls. And he was the 122nd uh, player in the league in terms of salary, so he was making nothing, bro. He was making absolutely nothing. And they were, and uh, I seen a a picture today. They were comparing the 122nd paid player, which was Scotty, and they were comparing it to today in 2020, the 122nd paid player, and that's Andre Roberson. So just think about that, bro. Andre Roberson. And Scottie Pippen were the, on the same level, at least, in terms of salary. Uh, you can obviously got to determine inflation is affected with that. But still, 122nd, uh, Andre Roberson and Scottie Pippen, they shouldn't even be close to each other in terms of value. And the fact that they were, bro, is crazy when I seen that, uh, when I seen that, that picture that the other
0: day. that show how much the NBA has evolved, how much revenue has grown, how yep. much advertisements mean now, like... 18 or 20 mil to an athlete nowadays is, like, almost the minimum.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, both of them, both of these players were basically making the minimum. Jordan and uh, Scottie Pippen back in the day, man. Two million. seen seen a lot of NBA athletes tweeting last night, like, 18 mil. Like, I couldn't even picture myself making that much. Like, like they're talking, like, that's just really low. But back then, back then, that was a lot of money. But it's like, still, you could have got more yeah. you
0: nowadays. It's like eighteen mil. Like I make, I'm supposed to make that in my second or third year off. Oh, Rip. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that's not even included endorsements and sponsorships and all that stuff. Yeah. So throughout this whole documentary, they were flipping through different time periods. They were going from Jordan's early years and going back to the last season. That's why it's called the Last Dance. They were going back to the '97-'98 season. So, they basically kept flipping back from early years to the later years. And I like how it's set up. But obviously in the later years, uh like the 97-98 season, Scotty had got injured. I want to say he got injured right uh what was it, the conference finals of the 97? Yeah, it was around the end of the playoffs. Yeah, it was around the end of the playoffs. championship season. Yeah, it was around the end of the playoffs like Egg said, and he got a hurt ankle. I want to say it was hurt ankle. Yeah. Her ankle. Yeah. And he didn't get surgery on it. He played throughout the whole finals injured. They obviously ended up winning. But he could have gotten surgery throughout the whole summer. But Scotty basically said, fuck all that. I I ain't wasting my summer on getting rehab and stuff like that. He said, I'm uh, going to do it on y'all time, the Bulls. I'm going to do it on the Bulls' time. He waited until the beginning of the season. And that's when he ended up getting the surgery on his ankle. And it basically caused the the Bulls to get off to a slow start in that 97-98 season. So how did you feel about that whole situation with Scotty? And obviously he was going through a a contract situation as well. Is also why he was sitting out.
0: I felt like that was really stupid on Scotty' part because it's like, I I feel the same way Jordan felt. Like, dude, why didn't you get this surgery, like, literally after we won? Like, we won the championship and we just cruising. It's the off season now. Why not just get the surgery? I no. get it. We got all this controversy of next year, of not being together after next year and all that stuff. But right now, live in the moment. We won, relax, get rehab, get your surgery. Scotty was like, F all that. I'm not doing that. I'm, he, this man literally said, I'm not going to F my summer up. Yeah. So I don't get why he had that mentality. Not only did he not get it during the summer when he
1: should have, he literally waited until the season started. Yes, like, sir. It, it wasn't no two, three weeks before the season started.
0: Like no, he waited until the season started to get the surgery. I'm like, that was just stupid on Scotty Park because he was also, like Quincy said, he was also doing it in a contract battle of trying to renegotiate his contract once he realized he got played. But the owner, um, I always forget the older name in this situation, but um,
1: Reinsdorf, Reinsdorf, yeah, the um at that time he was telling Scotty he was like, Don't try to come back and renegotiate your contract after you sign that.
0: Yeah. After I'm telling you, don't sign it. And that's that made Jordan even more mad because it's like, you know Kraus is not gonna renegotiate this just because yeah. you're trying to do this foot injury thing. Yeah. So I felt like that was stupid on Scotty.
1: And like I said, this basically made Kraus MJ and Krause's relationship was already tainted since that second season what we were talking about, how they were trying to tank for a pick. And then throughout this whole contract situation with Scotty and Kraus, they were going at it. They said they were fighting on the bus. He was cussing out Krauss on the bus, stuff like that. It was a real toxic environment in the Bulls in that last season when it came to Krauss. Like nobody rocked with Kraus really at all. That's what they they painted a picture as. And it was definitely crazy when it came to Kraus. I would I would have liked to hear his side of the story. RIP Jerry Krauss, because he's not alive today. But I would like to hear his perspective on how he felt about uh, this whole situation that was going on at the time in 97 and 98. But um, like I said, he got injured. He missed the the first part of the season. He didn't come back until January. I want to say he didn't come back until January. And then that's when they ended up going on the deal where they did get that sixth title and whatnot. But still, man, I, I don't feel I don't feel the same way like you do about uh, Scotty sitting out. I felt like it was the best thing. Because I'm I'm on the team, I'm on the bandwagon of I like when players hold out. I would say that. So when I see the Le'Veon Bells, I'm talking about football now. When I see the Le'Veon Bells, when I see uh Melvin Gordon holding out, I was like, okay, bro, go get your money. Because you're basically determining your worth by by letting the team do what they do. And we obviously seen Scotty's worth by the team losing all those games without him. they losing the trash teams without Scotty. And it's like, okay, y'all see how much I'm worth. So, just by seeing that, you can see how much you just, you need to pay me on the next time si- or next season or whatever. Uh, when it came but to I the contract and stuff like that. that. Because it's not like he didn't sign the contract yet; he
0: already signed the contract. That's why I can't respect it if you held out without signing anything, then, oh, yeah, like, you showing your worth to the team before you sign anything, but don't sign something and then realize you messed up, and then try to hold out to renegotiate it. Like, no, you made a mistake, just go ahead and play. Like, no, if you're gonna hold out, don't sign anything and show your worth. Don't show your worth after you already signed something and committed yourself to the team.
1: Nah, because he was trying to show his worth for the contract. So he was just making sure, alright, I'm gonna let y'all know how much I'm worth, going into this next contract. Even though they were basically saying it was his last uh, last dance or whatever, they were basically saying he was gone after the season anyway. But still, even to other teams, you're showing how much you're worth by the team. With Michael Jordan, they're losing to terrible teams. You're showing your worth just off that. So that holdout didn't just affect his contract with the Bulls, but it also impacted his future contracts. Because that contract or that situation where he sat out probably impacted and got him more money When he went to his future teams, which were the Rockets and the Blazers, they probably got him more money because they see his value and what he can do for a team. So that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't uh, agree. And I agree with Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson didn't have a problem with it because he seen it the same way I seen it. He basically holding out. I I can't really argue with the man for holding out, trying to get his money at the end of the day. I ain't going to argue with you. We know Scotty made a mistake, but still, bro, I'm trying to renegotiate and I'm, I'm trying to get some more money. Like this NBA lifespan is not—it's not a long time, bro. And you're really playing with me at this point. I see MJ getting thirty mil the past two seasons. Like I want to get—I want to get cut off too. Like don't shortchange me. I still want to get my bread, bro. This—this this lifespan is not promised. I can get hurt tomorrow, bro, and I can get no more money. And I can be cut with that little seven—seven-year, uh, eighteen million, and that's it. All I've done for this team, all I get is eighteen mil. Crazy. Now I'm gonna hold out and y'all gonna y'all gonna see how much I'm worth. So the fans, Kraus, future teams, seeing how much Scottie Pippen was worth to that team. And like I said, I think it, it impacted his future contracts just with that alone. It was like, damn, Scotty can do this. Oh, he do he does that on the court. He can be a glue guy. He hits the threes for him, he hits the clutch baskets, he does this, he does that. And we all seen it in that first part of the season. So I I, I agree with it, man. I, I like the fact. Obviously it wasn't good for the team. It was a real selfish mindset by Scotty. I'm not going I'm not saying that it wasn't, but still, you got you got you want to get your money at the end of the day, bro. Like I said, the NBA lifespan isn't a long time. And you got to get the money while the, the money's out there. And that's all he was trying to do. So I I can never go against him, man, especially when somebody's trying to get that money. Um what else was talked about? Oh, Scotty was on the block. They said after the 97 season Scotty was basically on the block. And something that I heard today from T Mac, T Mac said that uh, he was going to be traded for Scotty Pippen in the 97 draft. How do you feel about that, bro? That would have been crazy. I mean, granted, it was young T Mac, so it, we didn't see anything from T Mac yet to just make us go, oh my gosh. But seeing now that it's years later, to see what
0: T Mac playing under Jordan could have made him, like, even more than the Tracy we already know, that would have been crazy. That would have just been, man, Jordan probably wouldn't have left the Bulls um, and went to the Wizards if that was the case. He probably would have stayed with them and just finished his career there.
1: I feel like, bro, I feel like Jordan still would have left the team, but it would have been a better environment for T-Mac. Because after MJ leaves, it's it's such a big hole to fill. I feel like T-Mac could have... He couldn't live up to MJ's standards, but it's still something to fill the time, bro. And when his his first couple of years in Toronto, he was basically backing up his cousin Vince Carter. He wasn't flourishing in that role. But you basically, when you throw him into the spotlight in Chicago, you give him hand him the reins to the team, and you let him flourish. I feel like T-Mac will be talked about in a greater light than what he is now if this trade would have went down. I don't think the Bulls win the championship in '98. But I think the I think T Max status in the league would have been greater. Because I think he would have got off to a way better start when it comes to coming into the league, the transition, having the ball in his hands at a, hands at an early age. I think it would have been better for him, but not for the Bulls team, though. Because it's, it's he's still young at the time. He's 18 coming out of high school. About to play against grown men, bro. That's that's definitely crazy, man. But um and that was basically the cliffhanger. They basically said Scotty was on the block. They left off in January of the 98 season, and that was the end of part two. Um, what do you think is next in the series, and what do you expect from the rest of the series? Do you expect it to be great? Do you think a fall-off is in the future? What do you think? Oh uh, Well, already, I kind of already got a um, hint on what's going to be in the next um,
0: two episodes, three and four. Uh, Dennis Rodman was a guest on First Take today. He, uh, they had him on there for like the last 10 to 15 minutes, I want to say. And he gave a hint on how, how much he'll be talked about in the third and fourth episode. It's not going to be like a Dennis Rodman show, but he's definitely going to be one of the main players that they talk about in the third and fourth episode. Because he was explaining how he was just... I mean, we, we remember from the Dennis Rodman documentary that dropped a few months
1: ago. Exactly. How in his own lane he was. It was like you got
0: Mike and Scotty, and then over to the side you got Rodman. Like, and there was a lot of times you had everybody else, and then over on the side you got Rodman. Rodman was always his own person. He was in his own lane. The man literally said on TV um, on first take today that, I I never really talked to them other than on the basketball court. Like if we were if we all went to dinner together, we didn't even really sit by each other. Like that's how much we did not talk. Like if it wasn't on the basketball court for a game or for practice, I was not really talking to Mike and Scotty like that. It was no disrespect. I was just always in my own lane. I was my own thing. Like I had my own fame on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was I truly believe that. Like because there was um, there was a point in the documentary for Dennis Rodman a few months ago where he said I was the most famous Chicago Bull on the team like, and he was yeah I, I can't even lie I mean you got Jordan being Jordan but Rodman with all his off the court stuff like Rodman was just as famous if not more famous than
1: Jordan mm-hmm. yeah bro so but the problem I have is what, what are they going to build off when it comes to him like you said we already got so much in that Uh, Dennis Rodman documentary, what else are are you going to dive into? What else are you going to dive into is what I'm... I I guess I'm trying to say. Because we already know that he really didn't get along with them off the court. So how much are you going to dive into his story of Dennis Rodman? Because we already know so much. I feel like with...
0: The first two episodes gave a
1: lot of information. A lot of information, information, definitely. So I'm really, I'm just like you, I'm really questioning how the rest of these
0: eight episodes are going to really give us what we want because it's like how much more information y'all got. But I feel like where that comes to play is the fact that they're going to probably show us a lot of dirt that we did not know about. And like, it might be a lot of inside beef we might not have known about. It might be certain secrets that they're just now going to publish. I feel like it's a lot of stuff that we just rip. It's a lot of mind-blowing stuff that we're not ready for that they're going to show, that they're finally going to talk about.
1: Yeah. So I i don't know if it's going to come up this next weekend, but I know the, the 89 and 90 Pistons got to be talked about. And that's another reason why I think Dennis Rodman could also be brought up because he was on those Piston teams as well. Yeah. He was on those Pistons team. Yep. So they can bring him up uh, from that perspective and from the Bulls' perspective. I think that's a, I don't know if it's going to come up in these weekend's uh, episodes, but that, I know that's definitely something that's going to be big because that was big for Jordan's career. Like, he had to get over that Pistons hump before he actually started to win championships. Like, he, you know, that team was stacked with Isaiah Thomas, Rodman, Lamb Joe Dumars, uh, Mahorn. Like, they had some studs over there with the Pistons. They won back-to-back ships. There, I know. One thing, one thing I want to point out right now: Kraus looks
0: like the main bad guy for this team. But we have to remember, Jordan said like a week before this came out, y'all are gonna look at me like I was really the bad guy of the team. I remember he said it. Oh yeah. Waiting for the moment of that to come. I feel like that moment probably not gonna come until like maybe episode six or seven or something like that, where we see where Jordan is damn near the asshole that we've always heard him to be. Because right now, Jordan looks like the sympathetic, caring, stand-up for everybody, number one player in the world, when in reality, I've heard a lot of stories where Jordan was like really an asshole and a jerk a lot of times outside of basketball. So I'm waiting for those moments to come. Because he even said, y'all probably not going to like me after watching the documentary.
1: Bro, you remember that video? Because I feel like it's going to be like this. You remember that video? It was a Kobe video. And Kobe was basically telling everybody on the Lakers team, y'all soft, y'all soft. And he was walking out of the practice gym. You remember this yeah. video? I feel like it's going to be something similar to that, bro, where he cussing out all his teammates. And you remember, oh it was, already that. they I did already that. show that, didn't they? They did already show that. He was cussing out Ron Harper. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't care about that. They ain't bad to me. But I feel like that's what that's the stuff he was talking about. I feel like just sure. digging into his teammates' asses is what he was talking about. That's why y'all not going to like me, because I really dig in niggas' asses. Like, I don't play by this. Like, I want to win at all costs. Like, I'm going to dig in somebody's ass.
0: I feel like he's talking about something even more, because we all know Jordan was like that. I don't feel like he would have said that just because of that. We all know how much he was on his teammates and how much he wanted to win. I feel like it's going to be something much more on a personal level that he's talking about that we just don't know about yet.
1: Uh, it could be that he was on his... I don't know what else he can... Uh, I guess it's something secret that we're just going to have to wait and see. Because he already said in episode one that he really didn't rock with his teammates like that. He was really like standoffish and he really stayed to himself. So that... I don't think that's it. So it's like something that I just have to watch and see. Uh, something else I expect to see in the coming episode. Definitely the uh, Magic Johnson and... uh. And MJ series, that's something that I feel like they, they could play a whole episode off of that. When they had went at it in the, uh, in the finals, that's something else they can play off of. And obviously, I, I don't know. I remember you said they were going to have a Steve Curry episode. I really didn't know about all that. Yeah, I, I really feel like they're going to have a Steve Curry episode, bro. Like, they, maybe not an episode, but in one of the episodes remaining,
0: I feel like Steve Curry is going to be one of those players that's truly talked about. Because Steve Kerr and John, I'm gonna be surprised if John Paxson even get talked about.
1: Nah, we're nah, not. We ain't talking about John Paxson. Uh, I'm telling you, bro, we ain't like, talking about Paxley. It's
0: going to happen, bro. Because these were key players. Maybe, maybe more so Steve Kerr and John Paxson. But I feel like Steve Kerr's gonna get talked about a lot. Because the legacy that he created for himself with the Warriors and everything after the fame of him being with the Bulls, I feel like you just have to tip your hat to see Kerr and give him some type of like episode majority because of the clutch role that he played with that team. I, I feel
1: like I feel like what he's doing now in the first couple of episodes is all I need from him. Like just answering a couple of questions.
2: That's that's all we need. That's all I'm
1: saying. That's all we need from Steve Kerr. We don't really need no diving on Steve Kerr. Steve a
0: little bit. Nah, they gotta talk about Steve Kerr a little
1: bit. I agree with. Completely ignore Steve Kerr. I agree with you with the fact that they could talk about Steve because what he did uh, post career, because he did so much after his career. Uh, He was a GM, I want to say, with the Suns. He was a broadcaster for a little minute. And he was obviously a finals winning coach, so it's so much that he did after his career. I feel like they would dive into that. But actually, with the uh, with the Bulls, it's like, do I really need to dive in? I already know he hit the game with uh, a shot. little backstory, oh just hear like five six minutes of a backstory on where he came from and how he got drafted to the Bulls. And how he oh, they're probably gonna have that, man. You yeah, said a heard majority. Heard. No, you said majority episodes.
0: Oh, no. Well, yeah, let me rephrase that. He might not get a majority episode, but I feel like he'll be one of the main people
1: talking about in one of the episodes. Because what I thought you were saying was, you know how they show Scotty in part two. That's what I thought you meant by Steve oh, Kirk. No, 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 no. I mean, like,
0: when I say majority, I mean, like, he's one of the main two or three people that's being talked about, not, like,
1: the person. That's- mm-hmm. Because you already know Dennis Rodman definitely got to be talked about. And it's, it was a lot of other role players that would definitely shift the in and out, like Horace Grant. Uh, Oakley was somebody who was shifted out. It's more Ron Harper. Uh, who else? Damn nigga, who won the uh, three point contest? Can't remember his name right now, bro. Cannot remember his name. Hodges. Hodges was on the team. It's like there's so many players that you can just funnel in with. when it comes to those those Bulls teams, bro, so it's like who are they going to dive into? So that's definitely something to look forward to. And do you expect them to keep this same type of attention? Like do you expect them to keep having this effect on everybody that's watching it? Because we're all into yeah. it at this point. Yeah, right now, I feel like I feel like
0: that's how they them by them doing it weekly, two episodes a week, I feel like that's how they're going to keep everybody so deeply interested in this. Because if they dropped it all at one time, it wasn't gonna be it wasn't gonna live up to the hype that it it was portrayed to live up to mm-hmm. right now, making everybody wait a week for each episode. Like I feel like that's the best thing to do to keep the ratings up, to keep exactly all of the the talk and the tweets and the, the rah rah up right now. I feel like that's the best thing to do because right now we're at a point where literally everybody is watching at the same
1: time and giving the same type of love and reaction. Yeah, and bro, shout out to Netflix, man, for all that they do because. They making bank right now. They about to get this MJ documentary after it's done being filmed. All telling episodes is showing on ESPN. They about to get the rights to it. And so it's going to be on Netflix. They just keep rolling and dope. Keep rolling and dough. So Netflix, keep making that bread. I wish I could buy y'all stock, but it's too hot, bro. But damn, shout out to Netflix because they making that bread, dog. It's ridiculous to this point. And uh, what else? I think that's it, bro. That's it for part one and two. So we can wrap up this episode, and you know, with the social media.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at e Podcast one You can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore podcast. And you can follow and like our Facebook page at Q and sign E podcast. And we have a new logo Class. that will be on display within the next 24 hours for all of you to see. And we have a lot of surprises coming up with the q and podcast that you guys are going to
1: enjoy. Oh, damn. I forgot to tag him. Oh, yeah, bro. Shout out to uh, Blue Collar Media Group. We're now uh, associated with Blue Collar Media Group. We're a, a part of that network. Shout out to him. Shout out to Steve Reisner for uh, putting us on. And also follow me on Twitter at Q underscore Hicks 3. Follow Edgar at Martin 97 Follow his IG at official. Also, subscribe to all our podcast platforms we're on google podcast apple podcast uh spotify wherever you listen to your podcast we there youtube q and e podcast we gotta we're gonna start posting more i'm trying to get figure out how to get the visuals set up for the pod once i figure it out we're gonna be set with the visuals so y'all can see our faces while we're doing the podcast for youtube definitely bear with us when it comes to the uh to the tube though and uh the articles plug the articles If you ever want to read any articles that I've written uh, over the past few months for this semester
0: of school with the University of Florida, you can go to www.wruf.com. And you can read any sports articles that I've written over the past few weeks. And you can also check out any other fellow Gator articles.
1: Yes, and you can check out my articles at sfmn.fiu.edu. All you have to do is type in my name, Quincy Hicks, into the search bar, and you can see my articles, man. Thank you all for all the support. We're definitely going to be back next week with Part 3 and 4 of the MJ Docs. So definitely stay tuned, and we're out. Peace.
2: I got married in money, then I fell over that dirt. First I got married to money, then I fell in love with that dirt. I, I, I still know, I still know, I still know. The clip got a like a third. I got my clique in they rappers in this, like a nigga wearing jerseys, like a nigga wearing jerseys. I get love wearing jerseys. Crying raids going crazy, crazy coming young niggas so thirsty. Couple commas made a purchase. Caught the wave, ain't surfing. Caught the wave, ain't surfing. You do what you want when you pop it. Yeah. You do what you want when you pop it. you do what you want what you you do what you want when you got it. Yeah, you do what you want when you pop it, you do what you want when you got it, huh? I been your your survey, they know it, huh? Stuck on some money, then blow it, Huh? I do what I want. Take the styrofoam, put the surf up. It's a dress code, but ain't for us. Do what you want when you pop it, don't fold up. When I'm feeling the stress and I pull up. Rippin' the set like a soldier. How about a band when I roll up? I'm in to region on purpose. You lame nigga making me nervous. And keep me your banging like Bird. Sit by my cup and it's dirty. First I got married to money. Then I fell over that dirty, first I got married in Then I fell over that dirty, it's the new, it's the new, it's the new The clip got old like a 30, I got my clique and they rappers in this Like a nigga wearin' jerseys, like a nigga wearin' jerseys I get love wearing jerseys, Crying race, going crazy, crazy Cause my young niggas so thirsty, couple combos made a purchase Caught the wave ain't surfing. caught the wave ain't surfin' You do what you want when you poppin', yeah You do what you want when you poppin' You do what you want what you cover you do what you want when you got it Yeah, you do what you want when you pop it, you do what you want when you got it huh. I like the smell of that money when it burn Bitch, you know a nigga pop and wait your turn I make some much money, it's got me delirious When you gang gang in the chain gang, shit serious I gotta maintain I'm superior, nigga I rupt the same gang on the count of my niggas we fill up two planes on the count of these riches I fuck up some loose change on the count of these bitches I be on they know it huh. Stack off some money, then blow it huh. I do what I want in the spaz Take the styrofoam, put the serve up It's a dress code, but ain't for us First I got married to money Then I fell over that dirty First I got married to money then I fell low on the dirt. It's the know, it's the new, no, it's the new. No. The click got old like a third. I got my clique and they rebels in this. Like a nigga wearing jerseys. Like a nigga wearing jerseys. Like a little wind jerseys. Crying race, going crazy, crazy. Coming young, niggas so thirsty. Couple commas made a purchase. Caught the wave, ain't surfing. Caught the wave, ain't surfing. You do what you want when you pop it.